I'm Jason Klom, and this is Comedy on Vinyl. The year is 1961, the album, The Bickersons. The artists, Don Amici and Francis Langford, and my guest this week is Joy Gridnick. You know, I think I ran across a Stevens and Gridnick album a while ago and then realized, oh, you know what, let me see if I can hunt down the folks involved in it. And so, you know, obviously you've listened to a bunch of comedy, having done a lot yourself. I want to know yes. when you first heard the Bickersons, if it was the record. Yeah, I actually, uh, I did, you know, I'm old, so <laughs> when I was watching TV, I was influenced back in the, by the vaudeville comics that were on Jack Parr, you know, in the black and white. Yeah. So I, I, I grew up liking all the Jackies, like the, you know, Jackie Vernon and Jackie Mason and, uh, and, and of course, Jack Benny. Is, sure. I always love Jack Benny and Jackie Gleason. I don't know. I guess I should have had the name Jack. It probably would have been better. But, uh, <laughs> but it wasn't until Ron and I got together and we started doing comedy as a team that I started looking into comedy teams, husband and wife teams, even though we never really did husband wife comedy, which was, I think, a big mistake because that's what everybody expected when you got sure. up on stage. And they were like, well, where's the husband wife jokes? But instead we were doing comedy parodies and, and radio comedy. And, and that was what led me to listen to and find the Bickersons. And of course, all of those those teens, Burns and Allen, which of course everybody knew, uh, Stiller and Mira, Fibber McGee and Molly, I never heard of them, but they're, they're so old that it's not even funny, you know, I mean, it's not even funny, like they're literally not funny. <laughs> um, but, uh, but Burns and Allen, of course, you know, all, when you think about something that you thought was really funny back then, and then you go back, and it's the same way with songs or, or funny movies, like, your memory of it is so it's so wonderful and so strong and so outstanding and then it's always weak and slow when you go when you try to visit something from that you thought was so great sure I, um but uh the bickersons i guess i liked them because they were um so uh typical of a married couple that wasn't enamored with each other you know they they were just literally bicker, bickering all the time the the you know, they weren't really a team. It was they were two actors. So uh, uh, they had a comedy writer. It was basically like a sitcom, um, and it was it had flaws. Like the characters weren't really developed properly. Where Frances Langford would be um, a bad cook and and is smart and like she would play the role of the scoldy the scoldy wife so that she was smart and knew things. But then she would be stupid, so stupid that she would make, you know, terrible, stupid food that was inedible. That I guess they were just going for a joke and they hadn't really fleshed out the, the characters properly. Right. But if you if you listen to them, you will like there's a, an episode of the where John is snoring. Well, he's snoring through a lot of stuff, but there's one big long where he's in bed snoring and she's upset and she's you know trying to get him to stop snoring and. The uh, whole building is rapping on the door because he's making so much noise. And, uh, and that is like a sitcom where it's joke, 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 like, you know, just one liners. Mm -hmm. But but uh, but then you get into the the um, I, I guess I was looking at this this kind of comedy thinking, oh, you know, well, we're going to be the next uh, Cheech and Chong. But then I found out there was a Cheech and Chong. But but <laughs> <laughs> going back to the like Stella and Amira and uh, and um Oh, I can't think of their name right now. Uh, Mike Nichols and Elaine May. Uh -huh. uh, they, they, those two were very similar, and that, and that was really a little bit before our time. Mm -hmm. They were uh, doing sketch comedy, and then I thought, well, anything's game. You could get uh, the. Um, gosh, I can't think of their name either. Do <laughs> 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 I tell you? I, I have a bad memory, and That's it's, all, I, it's run in my family, and. Uh, ever since I was uh, a kid, my dad's side of the family, we were missing some chemical in our brain. But anyway, did I tell you I have a bad memory? <laughs> uh, so the uh, Jack, I, I guess Jack Benny was one of my favorites because he would be so self-effacing and so uh, vain, and I always I always appreciated that. That, but that was also uh, one of the. Uh, you saw I had the guys be that in the in the in the teams. They the the women they didn't. I guess well, uh, I take that back because in in some cases they they had uh, 
like Lucy and Desi, who weren't really a comedy team. They weren't really stand up. They right. Uh, they were a, a sitcom actor and actress, but uh, uh, that 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 would bleed into that. Um, I forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the question was long enough ago that it no longer matters. But you you absolutely answered it. I mean, I, 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 I asked you when you first heard them, and I love that you first heard them because of research, though. Most of the time, it's a record that somebody grew up with in their house. Uh, but for you, it seems like you're just mostly aware of them, but you actually actively had to seek them out. Yes, that is true. That's so yeah, great. I was... We or well, we did uh, radio comedy and we did audio comedy, which mm-hmm. was always the thing. So when we first started, we would listen to uh, Credibility Cap and mm-hmm. um, and National Lampoon at the time and um, anything that was on Firesign Theater, of course. Um, and then we went uh, to Los Angeles with because we were in St. Louis and we put together a comedy album because we came from radio. Uh, and uh, the comedy, they, the people at the time in the um, in the album industry, the record industry, they were, they didn't take us seriously. They thought that we, uh, you know, if we we're going to get in this business, they were going to invest in us, that we had to live in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we moved to Los Angeles. Wow. <laughs> and then we put out our second comedy album. Our first album was nominated for a Grammy. It was uh, somewhere over the radio. Mm-hmm. And the second one, Retail Comedy at Wholesale Prices, Factory Director, you know, Middleman, um, were uh, on two different labels. Mm-hmm. And then we did a, a video right when video first came out how to party how to party oh my god you know this Mm -hmm. yes um this and this was a funny thing that how to party uh just recently we were going to get this and try to make it into um you know something that you could watch today like a dvd yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and uh and it's so grainy, but it's funny, but it's really out there. It's all over the place. It's like, it's like, what were we doing? Drugs or something? You can follow the, the, the storyline. But uh, just the fact that we got that together right at a time when nobody knew what video was going to do. Yeah. It was, and we had a, a deal with, um, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of the company, but they gave us like $40,000. That's wow. how, okay. how yeah right today could you get that even no. um because nobody knew what it was mm-hmm. and they thought oh there is the possibility of it being a great thing well unfortunately it went to uh, all of the uh video stores at the time and they put it nobody has a sense of humor they put it in the um how to category like how oh, to fly no. fishing yeah like <laughs> how to bake uh, angel cake you know <laughs> so it's like <laughs> so the the and we had that same problem with a book that we wrote in los angeles called uh how to make love to yourself <laughs> it, it was on the heels of the two big bestsellers how to make love to a man and how to make love to a woman so we did how to make love to yourself so good and the company that put it out took out a full page ad in the Los Angeles Times and it died because mm. people took it seriously and they were offended and they thought that it was about masturbating and it was <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculous because unless you tell people this is funny or this is comedy or they've already heard this, they t- everything is taken on the surface seriously. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That is holy. This is the challenge that I mean. I I, I can say fully that I have uh, never experienced uh, you know uh, any kind of popularity to have uh, anybody release my own stuff. But it is always the fear <laughs> that the reason no one's paying attention is because it comes across as too straight. And they, yes. they just don't dig deep enough below the surface. All you have to do is scratch the surface and you're like, oh, this is a joke. But holy crap, just nobody paying attention. That's yeah. <laughs> wow. That is OK. So uh, if, if I if I may confess a little something that I didn't realize until today. Um, so in digging further into the back catalog, um, I what was the first thing I found this morning when I was digging again? Oh, so I found a sketch called fast food, which is. Yes. Uh, very well-known sketch. But right. as I'm listening to it, I'm like, what is this doing to my brain? Something, it's this is this is hitting my brain in a special way. And I looked it up. I'm like, was this on a Dr. Demento compilation? Yes, it was. Yes. That's yes. not where I heard it, though. What I realized was, and I, I right now I'm rendering a video that is all about the early comedy albums I ever heard. Well, I didn't realize until this morning after I recorded it that it was on a compilation from WMMR that I 
uh, that I heard maybe when I was seven or eight. So oh. this is probably one of the earliest sketches I ever heard was fast food. And so now I'm realizing, oh, crap, I'm about to speak with somebody who influenced me and I didn't even realize it. Like, it's it's that? it's and it's by the way, not even credited anywhere as being your sketch. It's just on that compilation, which is weird. Um, well, you know, what's funny about that? We that was out um, during the time of. Uh, putting on the hits. Uh -huh. It was a lip sync show mm -hmm. that um, Dick Clark Productions did. Yeah, and we didn't know it, but there was um, some guy who took our bit, fast food, and it went all the way to the finals. Oh my and god! They had been. He was just like lip syncing it on the show. Yeah, and uh, he. Uh, they came to us. I forget, we were actually working for Dick Clark Productions in some capacity at the time. And somebody passed us in the hall and said something like, uh, oh, hey, uh, congratulations on your bit, making it to the, the you know grand finals. And we were like, what? We didn't know anything about it. We didn't even know that it was on the show. Wow. And they said, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So we go check it out. And sure enough, the Sam Fox agency that was the company that pays for playing you know, royalties and things yeah. um, for – they had been paying some guy who had a song called Fast Food all our royalties all this time. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. And, and then it was like, uh, it, it was in a, I, I sound like some kind of, here I am talking about money, about oh, $40,000 we got for this. And then for that, this, this is the only two things we ever got money for. <laughs> but it was like, uh, they had us, we had them, I guess, in a position where they had to, you know, tell us something they owed us money back money well what do you want and it could they couldn't pull it off the show it was in the grand finals yeah so we just said some number and they're like sure and it was fine and uh, and then we we're like hmm, maybe we should have said more but yeah right anyway yeah <laughs> <laughs> that always happens but rosie o'donnell also made her career on that bit she did she did that bit as her own you know uh in in stairway to, what is it the that stairway to stardom show that wasn't the name of it it was oh my um, god really yeah, yeah, that's how she became uh, a star, yeah. Because she's uh, also told the story of how she, like, won a stand-up competition by stealing Jerry Seinfeld's stand-up. So she was not exaggerating. She had a history of this as a young woman. Holy well, cow. there you go. I guess just, you know, fake it till you make it, I guess. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh -huh. How about that? Holy well, it's shit. not as bad as Robin Williams, who would go out right <laughs> up after somebody was on and do their very, you know, right right after them <laughs> just, he was like a sponge he would just you know oh that was funny that was funny and then get up and do it himself <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, yeah. did you ever now did you ever run into a robin williams in in clubs well robin williams yeah i mean we used to perform in that same circuit at that same time i guess the time we were was I mean, he would, we would come, we never really met him or hung around with him, but we were on the fringes of where he was at the same time um, uh, in that era. Uh, our era was more a uh, baby man. Do you remember? Uh, <laughs> wow, I do not. <laughs> uh, Bruce, Vol oh no, Bruce Blanche. Uh, he was, well, he was in there too. Um, we were kind of in between. We were, we wrote for, co uh, for television, for um, variety television, mm -hmm. for, uh, Fallows, Bleeps and Blunders, Bloopers and Practical Jokes, Anything for Money, all those shows. Oh my God, love we, it. We, we started by doing um, sitcoms. We, WKRP in Cincinnati was like the first thing that we wrote for because we came out of radio and that was a radio show. Yeah. And yet the people doing the show had never really come from radio. So they were always oh insecure about whether they were doing radio right. Yeah. So their um, manager, Bernie Brillstein, um, had met us, and we were just doing radio comedy. We still do radio comedy, even though we tried to stop doing radio comedy. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're still doing it today. We sold the company where we had been doing it with Media America in New York about, um, I'm going to say, six years ago now. Mm -hmm. But uh, um, Trying to think of the guy, they, they assembled a uh, group of comedians in New York to take it over, and uh, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So not. Yeah. So <laughs> he is uh, doing the series now, but he always has to come. To, I still. I just did a voice right before I called you. We do, um, you know, punch it up or help it out or you know, record on our end or something. Just 
uh, and with the radio comedy series. It's still being played on radio and offered to radio stations. So, in other words, people say, what do you do? And you say you do radio comedy, and they still don't know what you mean. And um, it, it, when you listen to the radio, usually in the morning, on morning shows, and you hear a funny song or a song parody, a song parody or a commercial parody or a character drop-in or uh, just a funny just sound effects and things like that, everybody assumes that the DJ did that himself and almost always it's a comedy service such as ourselves um, or American Comedy Network or somebody, some other, there was like maybe a handful of them um, over the years that have been uh, doing radio comedy. Now when we started, we went to Los Angeles with our comedy album and some people said, hey, you should do, uh, you should meet this, this team it was from Studio B with Pat McCormick and Alan Barsman. Well, Pat McCormick, you know, big guy, big old guy. Yeah, a large man. In fact, one time he was doing a comedy pilot and he had me on because I was so small and he was so big and he just thought that was hilarious. So <laughs> um, they, uh, they listened, they had from Studio B, which was an interview show on the radio. At the same time, there were other radio comedy series like Chicken Man and... Oh, yeah. Um, the uh, story lady. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Uh, it, the, they they had a. I guess that was. I was still in in grade school when that was going on. So that was like the 60s, I guess. Mm-hmm. And and then they kind of ran out of speed, and it radio changed, and uh, it went to more progressive rock radio where you didn't have all that personality anymore and all of that canned stuff. But that stuff. It was so funny, um, and that's where uh, what we when we first went to Los Angeles, we met from Studio B people, and they were like, "This is really good." Well, they didn't laugh; they just pointed at the funny parts. They would not laugh; they just mm-hmm. point. So <laughs> they point, 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 point through uh, listening to our stuff, and then they'd say, "Can all right? Can you do 130 of these, meaning short comedy bits?" Mm-hmm. Well, I said yes. And Ron was like kicking me under the table because, uh, you know, we only had 10 bits. <laughs> and so then we had to go home and write 120 more. And it was tough. In the beginning, it was tough. When you write comedy, it makes you sleepy because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it taxes the person, oh, a, yeah. a certain part of your brain, and it makes you want to just fall asleep. Uh-huh. So. It, it's you know you'd spend all day trying to write one bit because you'd fall asleep. <laughs> those are those are horrible tr- terrible times. Um, but actually, you get good at it after a while. Like anything, if you do it a whole bunch, you get good at it. So uh, now we've done I don't know maybe about I guess over five thousand, close to six thousand comedy bits, radio comedy wow. bits. Wow! Wow! And um, and Ron's starting to put some of them on YouTube. Uh, but he's not getting very far because we we're busy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just says Stevens and Gridnick. So, um, and and then you have to put something visual to it. So, you know, you look at these old things on on YouTube, and it's like they show the cover of the album. There's like nothing to show. Yeah. It's kind of, and uh, and you know it was black and white, and they kind of colored it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's no, it doesn't really grab you. Just like all that stuff. I watched Airplane. I thought Airplane the movie was so funny when it came out. I thought, oh my god, it's a laugh a second, and it was so outrageous and just hilarious and i went back about four years ago and watched it and it was i'm like this is not even funny and so it's it so slow it's like i laughed like twice and so that's what happens when you hear a song you used to love and then it comes on it's like what it's weak it's like a bad recording like what's <laughs> but that's how it was you just remembered it as being so much better i love that uh, I ha- I just had no idea the realities of radio and that it was just something that they could package somebody else's sketches with their own five things. And uh, yeah. it, that's crazy to me. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And nobody knew. I mean, it, it was just, it came off like, especially when we did like character drop-ins, we actually mm-hmm. had, a, you know, we would get lay down the tracks of somebody, come, I was um, misinformation or uh I was, uh, oh God, Trixie. I was a stupid, dumb blonde Trixie. And, um, you know, I would giggle. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and I just, uh, you know, go back and, like, I would lay down these tracks, and the uh, announcer or the DJ would say, oh, oh, Trix- Trixie's here, you know, and I would go, hi. <laughs> so good to see you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then he would, he would have some 
whatever he wanted to say, which I'm realizing now while I'm telling you, <laughs> it wasn't a very good idea because most people can't do anything without a script. You know, you don't have to like tell them right. what to say. <laughs> that was actually a problem when we had our first comedy album because it was at that time where radio was changing into more progressive rock. And people would call us, and radio people, and they'd say, this is really good and funny. What do we do with it? They didn't know how to play it. Wow. And we would say, well, just drop the needle on the vinyl and play it. And uh, in between a song. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's what they would do then. They would just play the song and then play the bit and then go into another song. Because they didn't know how to like talk it up or how yeah. to present it. That's crazy. I mean, it makes sense. If, if, if you're a DJ, you know, my father-in-law was a DJ uh, and uh, so is uh, his brother. It's one of those things, if you're trained to do music and just to do, just to, you have a specific training that you've been doing for a long time. It is funny when either a format changes or the expectation changes, all of a sudden you've got to be funny when you never really had to be. You just had to be fun. Yes. That's yes. got to be, that's got to be confusing as hell if you're a DJ. Well, you're so right. And that's so, um, the expectation factor, that is the key to everything in yeah. life. It's whatever somebody has in mind and then what it really is. I mean, just, you know, if you think about it, your relationships, your jobs, your where you go in life, your restaurant, your movie, you know, it's just, it's what you expect and what you get. Mm -hmm. and, that, and, and who knows what, what determines what people's expectations are. Oftentimes it's, you know, somebody of critic or somebody telling them, you know, that, mm -hmm. that, oh, it's really good. And then you go and you're like, why did they think this was good? This isn't good. Or somebody tells you it's bad. And, uh, and then you think it's good. Like with Ishtar, Ishtar came out and it was like the biggest bomb. And mm -hmm. oh, it, it was, cause that was Elaine May, you know, yeah. she directed that. And, um, and I thought, oh my, the, we thought it was hilarious. The yeah. first half of the movie was hilarious. And then it kind of dropped off, but boy, it sure didn't deserve that kind of, uh, I guess because it was so, they spent so much money on it. You know, they just wanted to tear it down. Yeah, it and then bad. they use that as an excuse as to why to never hire a woman director. That always ends up. There you go. You know, that's, that's true. That's how it always yeah. ends up going, which is terrible. The, yeah, it is. This that's is, uh, I, I, I want to know, okay, and I, by the way, I, I'm going to bring us back to the Bickersons for a second, um, but... By no, I honest to God, I want to talk way more about your radio stuff than I want to talk about the Bickersons. But I do want to know. I happen to pick like uh, you know, this best of record from 1961. Is there a, a Bickersons bit that sticks out to you as a particular favorite? You know, I'm sorry to say, I don't know the names of them. Uh -huh. I don't know yeah. the names of the of the bits. Um, Gosh, I can't tell you. There, I would have to go back and listen. <laughs> I should have done this before. Uh, that, is, that is fine. Uh, I mean, it, it is, it is again, it was a thing that you used as a reference point for your own work. And that's yeah. that's more interesting to me. Well, I know now listening back, you can listen to, you know, uh, like it's almost like the Will Ferrell podcast. Like <laughs> some of them aren't funny and then one of them is hilarious all the way through. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> it's like there's uh, some bits of theirs that you laugh, 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 and then there's others you're just sitting there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's how it goes. And I mean, you would think that about, you know, comedy in general or anything, but when it comes from the same source, you would expect it to be somewhat <laughs> consistent, or at least you, know, you think, oh, well, my sense of humor is different than somebody else's. We always found ourselves going to the movies and uh, laughing when nobody else was laughing. <laughs> and then everybody else is laughing and we're not. And we're like, hmm, what's wrong here? Like, why do they think that's funny? Like, what? The whole audience is not like one or two people. Right. There's sometimes you have that where you just have a few laughs, but. When the entire audience is with with what's going on and you're not, then you have to wonder something's something's different. Yeah, right. Is, is something <laughs> wrong with me all of a sudden? What ju what yeah. the hell just happened? Yeah, I it is <laughs> yeah. there. Uh, you know, sometimes I think it is uh, what a uh, friend of the show uh, Steve Young calls comedy damage, where he's just been working in comedy too much and almost nothing <laughs> makes him laugh anymore. There's yeah. that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then sometimes I feel like it's just like, well, I just have a different taste, I suppose. You know. Okay, yeah. You know. That's funny, comedy damage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, also, if you step away from it and then come back, well, you do that yourself just in life. Like you write a comedy bit, and at the time you think, oh, this is this is horrible, and you throw it away, and then you come back uh, later, you know, a year later or so, and you look at it, and you think, this is hilarious. It's mm -hmm. just a mood thing. Yeah, absolutely. 
you can do that just knowing, like, when you go shopping, you go shopping and you see something. This is why I decided, <laughs> let me just give you a shopping tip. This is more important. Uh, when you go shopping and you see something, oh, I really want to buy this. I love this. And you don't buy it because just wait, wait a week. And if you're like, oh, I, I'm dreaming about the thing. I got to have it. And then you go back and then you still love it. Or it's like, oh, you got over it. And then you don't even like it anymore. So at least right. you didn't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Just it's, a little tip. You know, you were <laughs> mentioning those, uh, you know, uh, the cut-ins, uh, the drop-ins and stuff that you compiled and I'm assuming were sold by a company. Do those records exist? Do you have any of the records that are just filled with your drop-ins? Um, actually, we do. We have <gasps> all of them. Oh, my God. And I, and I don't know. And, in fact, it was um, Mel Blank, uh, his, he had a whole, he had the From Studio B stuff in his in his possession mm-hmm. when he died it was his company and oh. uh it somehow ended up in our closet My so God. we have stuff that you know that i guess if we get hit by a bus uh, or go down on <laughs> a plane together or something then nobody's gonna know what the heck this is because it's old tape and you know old yeah. real stuff um then there's our own stuff that like i said uh, ron has just now started to uh, try to put on online. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have I have a restaurant in St. Louis called The Fountain on Locust, and we took one of our series, uh, Soap Hospital, which was a you know parody, obviously, of mm-hmm. soap operas and hospitals, and <laughs> we play it in the restaurant. So it's on a loop, so you know you can go in there and wow. turn it up or turn it down and love it and listen to Soap Hospital. But uh, but a lot of this stuff is just like that. It's in somebody's closet, or it's just you know maybe sold at somebody's estate sale and nobody even knows what it is. And it's kind of, it really needs to be archived somewhere, I think. It absolutely, I mean, anybody who's listening can hear the gears grinding in my brain because every time I hear there's stuff out there that hasn't been digitized or saved, I'm like, oh God, please, please save it instantly. I I know, I mean, I I do know a few people if you ever need uh, someone to help you digitize them. Well, you you know, know. we should do that because honestly, you just get to where you just don't have time. And that's the biggest problem. So, I mean, people, we, they come in and they listen to uh, Soap Hospital and they want to buy we did put out uh one cd of it which was cleverly entitled volume one and uh, <laughs> and then uh, we didn't do they like we have volume two and we're like no we didn't have time to put it together uh, <laughs> we never did so we still haven't we could do volume three and four if we, yeah, i was gonna uh, say yeah, make the next it, one yeah. volume three and just act like the second one existed just never tell anybody <laughs> yes. oh that'll really throw me off. <laughs> <laughs> that's remarkable i'm well i i am very happy to hear that those those records do exist and i i, I do now wonder anybody who's listening anybody within earshot if you find any of those records somewhere please let us know because i would love to i mean i'm glad that you have them all but i would love to hear them at some point because uh yeah. i bet they're fascinating um most of them are not on vinyl most of them are tape mm-hmm. okay so yeah and um uh, we just have also uh old video you know which is huge sure. it's a film i guess it's one inch it's not video one i guess it was uh it used to be broadcast uh video was one inch uh-huh yeah don't ask me i'm i'm <laughs> uh not the technical genius i appear to be i i i, I I don't know also about, well, I don't know anything about audio, so let's just skip that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you, I do know this from talking with my archivist friends, including a friend of the show, Taylor Jessen, who is Firesign Theater's archivist. Um, he has run into issues with Firesign stuff where uh, some of their stuff was recorded, their audio was recorded on one-inch tape that would normally be for video. So okay, who so knows? Okay, maybe I am right. Yeah, there, yeah there's a good chance. Yeah. There's a very mm-hmm. good chance. It was not Thank uncommon. You. Yeah. Um, Thank you for making me look good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I must say, so I was also, I was watching a bit of uh, How to Party, which is on YouTube. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you know that, but it is on YouTube. Oh, okay. It must be look, <laughs> it, it must look really bad. Is it's it not grainy? The, it is pretty grainy. It is obviously from uh, someone's VHS, not from a master. Yeah. Um, but in digging through, I was just flipping, and, I, and once I got 
towards the end, I had to pause on the credits because I saw a name and I'm like, well, that's a fairly common name. The name is Richard Levinson. And I'm like, oh, okay. Let, oh, let me yeah. dig. Do you know him? Uh, he did the theme song for this podcast. So, <gasps> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so, fantastic. <laughs> I, I messaged him today. I'm like, do you know Joy Gridnick? He's like, yeah. And then he just went into detail. And uh, yeah, apparently yeah, the same one. That's hilarious. He's, he's great so yeah what did we do we did bikini full of trouble yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he had me in for a while we did some stuff and then of course he did stuff. we 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 are very um we i'm i'm a fan of his i guess i should say (laughs) yeah 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 this is the longest set of credits, by the way, ever, because clearly you brought in every friend that you made in Los Angeles. Is, yes, is what absolutely. This, looks like. this is fantastic. A lot of couples. Yeah. This is a holy cow. But at the same time, I love that you 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 both play probably 30 characters each. Right. I mean, you're playing yes. a million characters. I mean, I'm sorry. Sorry for anybody who's listening. I know this is not comedy on video, but uh, it, it's worth hunting down. But I hope you guys do have a master that at some point you can do something with and put some. Uh, well, we we just just literally last week got one from this guy here in St. Louis. Amazing. Hunted something down, found it, gave it to us. And now I think Ron's going to try to put that on the youtube stevens and gridnick that's thing. awesome that would be that would be wonderful yeah. um you know what's funny is I, i'm gonna i'm gonna message the person who put it up because they're like i don't know anything about it and i'll be and i will and now i have information to tell them i can be like hey is it 1987 is that uh, is that an accurate number accurate oh year? my gosh i don't remember but uh that sounds good and then and then there, i was trying to think that we, we did a couple of releases we did um a, a thing called commercials on 45 yeah, yeah. Uh, because at the time there was a thing uh stars on 45 mm-hmm. and um and that was just a actually it was really well done uh and the flip side of that or you know i'm thinking is of a different we, we did bend over beethoven um <laughs> and um these were singles and then we did a funny little record that we made on a tiny little size that now looks like a cd but before cds we made that we call it was called a funny little record and it was real little like this like a size of a cd and i had to go find somebody in in los angeles who would press a little bitty wow. record like that okay yeah that's that's something that um I, I remember the cover of it, but I can't remember what we what it was in it, what the what the bit was. Oh in my it. god! I'm gonna have to hunt yeah, this isn't down. Yeah, this terrible. I have to find it. Um, but it has an orange and yellow sleeve. Okay. With pi- pictures of us, and then we also did this little thing where we were. Uh, that was when UPC symbols first came out, so we put ourselves behind it like we were in jail in the <laughs> UPC bars. Uh, boy, doesn't that sound like we're a hundred years old? Oh, I'm but forgetting. here's the thing: I got to tell you, some of my favorite comedy is when a new technology has just come out and somebody likes to fuck with it with comedy. They like to just do yeah. something com- comedic with it, and I, honestly, I think it's brilliant. I, I love seeing yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, boy, it's hard to keep up with that now, though. Oh yeah, almost impossible. <laughs> almost impossible. Yeah. Right. I mean, years ago, Britney Spears, when email first came out, released a song called Email My Heart or something like that. And I remembered the day it came out being like, this is not going to age well. Uh, you know, like just knowing. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah, yeah. Well. I do like the UPC gag, though. That is very good. I'm going to I'm going to have to try and find this record because I have a fascination with small records. My friend and I uh, had a custom one cut that was about an inch and a half wide it's 10 seconds on either side it's a terrible setup and a terrible punchline uh on, on either side so setup on one <laughs> side punchline on the other um so i'm obsessed with small <laughs> records I, I i love that so much um my god there's there's so much to talk about you've done so much and i can also tell that like <laughs> to the point where you literally are not sure what's on everything you yeah. you oh, don't you no. don't stop moving do you you do not stop no. moving. right right people always say i don't sleep and you know <laughs> Then I have to wake up. No, I do sleep. I sleep. I fall asleep behind the wheel, which is terrible. Oh boy! Three months ago, I fell asleep behind the wheel and woke up when I hit this guy. Oh no! So, yeah, yeah, yeah that, was, that was bad. Uh, but what was really weird about it was the guy. Uh, there were some cops nearby. Like some, I don't know what something was going on, and there, it, there were some cop cars. So I thought, oh, I'll just go over there and get one of these cops because I had this accident. You know, they can you know do what they have to do. And this guy saw me doing that and was like, hey, you know what? We're cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was 
like, you know, what do you have, a dead body in your truck? <laughs> right. So, you let me go. Yeah. Wow. wow. <laughs> that was a real wake up call. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was, uh, yeah. I got to start getting some sleep. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hold, do you, do you, I mean, here's the thing. Sometimes that stuff is attributable, attributable to just what your personality is. But like, is there a part of you, though, that just doesn't like to stop making things? Because you, you, you yeah. also both make a lot of stuff. That's right. That's and and I think uh, Ron's actually worse than me. Uh, we we do things separately and we do things together. But the uh, stuff that we do together really doesn't. We don't. Um, we're both. We both have good timing and we're you know professional comedy people and stuff. But we don't work well together <laughs> because because his style is more focused and mine is more all over the place and he can't you know, stand that. <laughs> so I need really to be with a person that can just go with the flow, Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I always think is important for radio because radio just eats it up anyway. And and then here he is working overtime, trying to fill all of that time. And it's just, you know, you burn out. It's just, it can't be done. But, uh, and I mean, the best way to do it is to take advantage of just milking it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but we both do separate things and we have so many interests, I guess, that, you know, you just don't, I don't want to go to sleep because I want to stay awake and do more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a toddler. Yeah, so, but, uh, but, then, uh, but then, you know, you, then you're not thinking too straight. <laughs> this is probably how I run my, my memory even more, but, um, but anyway, so there you are. And there you have it. <laughs> I do love, though, uh, a very nice irony, though, is that you have chosen a record, uh, at least, uh, you know, we've briefly spoken about it, about um, a couple who ostensibly hates each other, uh, where at yeah. the same time, uh, that's in, in the only the only problem you guys have is working together, where the rest of it. You know, that's a, that is a comedy classic relationship, though, is uh -huh. an un unbreakable bond that's why you know okay these two they don't they hate each other but they're married well today you think oh so what they'll just get divorced but in like uh, it, it works with anything okay this is an office situation and it's an unbreakable bond at least for the time being because this is your job and these are your people that you work with and that is your boss so that creates that that sense that you you have to suffer uh, <laughs> and make the best of it or, or do something. Um, a, a family situation is another one where they're your family. You can't get rid of them, you know? They're, right. Uh, so, yeah. I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> It's a comedy, little comedy lesson. <laughs> did you grow up uh, with, uh, I mean, we talked uh, briefly about some of the records you grew up with, maybe, but were there any in the house that your parents brought in, or were they all stuff that you got yourself? Um, I didn't really purchase comedy albums until I was an adult. Okay. Um, and my parents, we, I just... I watched television, and you know how they, this is another thing that makes... Uh, it difficult for Ron and me because Ron is seven years older than I am. So every seven years is a different generation in, in pop pop culture. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know he was like Howdy Doody and the Mickey Mouse Club, and yeah. I was like the Three Stooges and Superman. So it was a it was a whole different thing. So my comedy. I was a girl who loved the Three Stooges. I, I don't know where this came from. The girls don't like Three Stooges, but. Um, I love the Three Stooges, and uh, I watched them every day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and then, as I say, I watched uh, those comedy guys that were vaudeville guys, really, that were just getting into television at the time because, you know, that was the medium. And um, But I never liked Milton Berle. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> just to set the, the record straight yeah <laughs> i thought that he was uh not funny and he was uh i didn't think he deserved his own show <laughs> but there were so many others that did like jackie mason oh my god he's hilarious <laughs> but uh, that was because they were always losers you know they played the character sure of yeah but but jack benny was the best and he 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 wasn't a loser he was just so vain. Yeah. <laughs> For a man, it was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, uh, were there, 
hmm, growing up then, obviously, you know, there, there are all these comics on the air, but not nearly as many female comics. But did that in any way hinder you from wanting to be a comedian? You know, I, 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 over the years, I felt like there might be something to, I, I could never really do stand-up by myself because I was scared. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and no, people don't believe that. They think that, oh, I have such a big personality and, oh, you know, I can get up on stage. and Yeah, I can get up on stage and do something, some theater thing or something. But if I have to stand there and talk as me, mm-hmm. I am scared to do it. I'm fine behind a microphone, but I don't like people looking at me. There's something about it that makes me very scared. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm always curious because, I mean, I, I know that uh, I can do sketch. I'm exactly the same way. I'm great in front of a camera, in front of a microphone but if i were to do stand up on my own uh no thank you i don't think i could do maybe it. it's just um, a individual yeah because i i do see a lot of people that uh, it's improv that's you know if you're in a group you can hide behind something exactly um, yeah if i get i think if i didn't have such a bad memory <laughs> i wouldn't <laughs> be so terrified because i just can't i was going to go blank i would just forget and then be like oh now what i'm stuck so yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I get that. I that that was the first thing that struck me is like, yeah, there there is absolutely a, a comfort level to having somebody there to support you, um, and that's it's great for improv, but it's also great for comedy duos, uh, even if yeah. you've got everything scripted out. Well, the the comedy duos, um, then you always have to you have other sets of problems because you you know unless you have the same routines you're doing over and over again if you're doing any ad living well you have to be careful you don't step on the other person and they don't step on your joke and that's the same with uh, audio and and uh you know comic radio or anything like that where you're going for a joke and if your partner or your other host partner step ruins your joke you know it's just like (laughs) 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 hey you know but out you ruined my joke um (laughs) or vice versa you know you they you don't hear they said that already or they didn't hear that or you know you you have those a different set of problems yeah but then but then comes with it too the added security of like you say having somebody there to fill in the gaps when uh if you go blank (laughs) <laughs> like us yes. <laughs> so perfect uh, do you, I, you know I realized I didn't ask though so we talked about roughly talked about your early days in radio but how did you get into radio were you a DJ first or a comedian first yeah I was a DJ first uh-huh. and I think that's what ruined everything because <laughs> uh, I think that's what made me afraid to be in front of people to have people see me because I uh, was the first um progressive rock radio announcer, uh, the youngest, I should say, female in the country. Uh-huh. So I was 17 when I was the, the youngest female progressive rock radio wow. uh, announcer in the country. I got a job, and it was like the super cool KC Radio here in St. Louis, which is still and is the longest-running progressive rock formatted radio station in the world. It's crazy. They just celebrated this. Um, and, uh, in fact, Ron did a documentary called um, Never Say Goodbye, the first 50 years of KC Radio, and it came out, I think, last year. It's, it's very good. He he, It's good for people that even have, that, uh, you know, didn't even listen to KC Radio. It just takes you back, and it uh, stuff you just forgot about, the, you know how pictures today people edit their pictures on uh photoshop or something or they just you know it's a shame because you look at old pictures and you see oh look there's a you know that basket of laundry i remember that in the in the corner well today you cut that out the the kinds of things that that tell the rest of the story get cut out now so i don't know what's going to happen to generations ahead of us but all of that stuff is important stuff so anyway I get a job back then, and I'm instantly a big, you know, local star. So it was always difficult to be, they would expect, you know, to make personal appearances and to do, you know, MC things and do live shows and things in front of people. And I was always so frightened to do that because I would have to get up in front of, you know, 80,000 kids, and it would be really traumatic for a 17 or 18 year old to get up in front of 80,000 kids. You could hide behind the microphone, but out there in front of everybody, it was a different story. And I think that scarred me for life. Wow. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) It 
me. <laughs> I'm just now getting over it. <laughs> so maybe I'll be the, the oldest female comedy <laughs> person to get behind the microphone. Uh, how did comedy uh, enter the picture? I mean, was it just part of the job from the beginning or? Oh, no. I always wanted to do comedy. That, yeah. that was the whole point. Uh, uh, because I had, you know, I, I just admired. I, when I was, I was 10 years old, I remember writing down what I wanted to be when I grew up. And vying for first place was a boutique shop owner and a writer for Mad Magazine. So mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I just, I love those. Uh, when I was uh, in uh, grade school, we had these uh, wacky, like, I forget what they were called. They were, uh, they came with, with candy, when you bought candy, um, or uh, maybe like, gum? Like no, Bazooka Joe? Gum. No. Laffy Taffy? No. no. <laughs> something, something else? It, <laughs> um, I forget where they, maybe you just bought them as their as their own thing, but they had they were takeoffs of products and stuff, like Crest toothpaste. Oh, oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. Oh, wacky packages? I guess that was it. Wacky, wacky was it called Wacky Packages? Wacky pack? Something like that, yeah. Um, so I love those. Uh-huh. So I love them so much I don't know what they're called. Um, but I, I love them. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, that just, that I just always like the the dark side of things. And I, I appreciated that, you know, uh, gross stuff that was funny <laughs> at the time. And then I liked the, you know, the comics, the stand-up comics on television. And then it was, I liked... Uh, Madeline Kahn and Cloris Leachman and mm-hmm. you know I thought oh they had the best parts because they had the funny parts and um and I don't know why that's just always attracted me so I, I and then I met Ron and we wanted to do comedy radio comedy so we did radio comedy and then we put out we put together an album and but there was no place for it in St. Louis for comedy it was just ad agencies that was like the only way you could actually you know sell anything or do anything for for a job mm-hmm. in comedy at the time it was really kind of before or between stand-up because you were you were on the end of the of the vaudeville guys like the jackie vernons and everything and then there was this big wall and then it was before the steve martins and and the george carlin sure, yeah. so that was, there was kind of a comedy stand-up lull there wow yeah that's that is a that is a crazy in-between time that people don't necessarily think of and uh quite often when we talk about the stuff on the show we we sort of treat it like there was some kind of um like there was a buffer but it it doesn't sound like there was as much of a buffer especially again if there there was a moment in time where the two of you could be like oh well our option is to make a comedy album that's what we have to do and i love that yeah well we uh i remember going to see steve martin uh here in st louis and I, I, I was a big Steve Martin fan. I still am. And uh, I thought I, he said something. He must have been in his early 30s when mm-hmm. he came here. And I I remember, I don't remember exactly what it was. You know, he was funny, 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 funny. And then he said one thing that dated him that I thought, oh, my. Because up till then, I didn't think of him as being really old. But, mm-hmm. that, you know, when you're like 14 and somebody's 33, then you think, you know, they're really old. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and whatever he said that dated him, it stuck out to me to think, gee, you know, I wonder when I'm in, you know, his age, if I'm going to be old and not know it. <laughs> <laughs> so here I am even older and I don't know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. I, I, I love, uh, my God, I, 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 first of all, I'm very jealous you got to see Steve Martin during the few years he was doing stand-up. I actually walked by him on the on the sidewalk. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, his big hands. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what that that means? That means he can do magic tricks very well. That's that's oh, what is I'm that watching. what that yeah. means? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, boy, oh, boy, I, I'm just kind of I'm I'm a minorly flustered because there's so much to talk about, and I want to. I'd actually like to talk with you more at some point, but I want to make okay. sure we do uh, a, a quick. Recommend the Bickersons. Why would you recommend listening to the Bickersons to to the people at home? The Bickersons uh, bring back an era of comedy that is before sitcoms, but still has the the delightful aspect of sitcoms. Yeah, 
perfect. It's perfect. And it's uh, if, if you're a person who, like me, <laughs> grew up only knowing Don Amici from Trading Places and uh, Cocoon, uh, get, you can get a, a glimpse of who he was very early in his career. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind he of fun. It, he did a great job. Uh, uh, the whole uh, premise of the Bickersons being that, you know, he had a... Uh, Cup, bickering couple that's mm-hmm. what it was is so um identifiable and it hits home for so many couples you know that's not the thing that they usually you put out there yeah right <laughs> but that's to see the humor in it that's the best part absolutely um boy oh boy joy thank you so much for doing the show uh it's been delightful thank you for having me yeah where wonderful. can uh, people find you online and if there's anything coming this won't come out for another several weeks but uh if there's anything coming up you'd like to let people know about Oh, my goodness. Um, probably just the uh, Stevens and Gridnick uh, YouTube channel that's in its infancy. So sure. there's hardly anything on there. Uh, but as we go, more will, will more will come. Um, and I guess just uh, whatever's out there, I guess, already that people have put up there. Uh, we definitely have to get busy with all of our 5,000 radio comedy bits and get mm-hmm. those archives somewhere. That's for sure. This is for another real. wake up call. So, uh, less sleep for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I will say I did subscribe earlier today. So please, everybody, go ahead, subscribe uh, to Stevens and Gridnick on YouTube. Um, and honestly, uh, thank you so much for doing this show. Thank everybody. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. You can email us at podcast at comedyonvinyl.com. You can also send snail mail to Stolen Dress Entertainment, P.O. Box 805, Burbank, California, 91503. Subscribe to Comedy on Vinyl on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Comedy on Vinyl, or find everything in one place at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune in to the new Stand Up Records channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15-plus years. That's a lot. Yeah. Dress Entertainment. Yes, that would be wonderful. And uh, I'm going to send an email to Ron, too, if you can see the Thank you so much. All right. Bye.